Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Getting the Cash Flow Game with K&K. Kenny and I are a little tired this week. Our uh, 16-month-old is not allowing much sleep in the house. So, By the way, also, hopefully we sound a little bit better because we got some new um, equipment yep. here. So. I heard it's much better. So hopefully, if, if you do, if we sound better, tell us. Yeah, let us know. Say, hey, you guys sound a lot better. If this sucks, then uh, we can blame Monsi because she said they're better. Yep. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm actually filming this. It's uh, Friday. I'm extremely tired. Uh, I got sick. And uh, let's see. Since the middle of May, everybody's kind of like, what, where did you guys go? What'd you do? So today we're going to kind of talk about our little travels and um, also dive into another market. But so we went to Miami in the middle of May, and we lived there for a month. Then we decided to go. We went to Nicaragua and stayed there for eight days. Then we flew back, and I ended up stay- going to Dallas for a real estate mastermind, which I can talk about too. And then I came back, and then I think, I don't know if it's the next week or something, I got invited to um, one of the final games in the Sun, so I went there. And uh, then I flew back, and then the next day, then the Thursday after that, we flew to Vegas. And now I'm back. I'm tired. I'm (laughs) sick. Our daughters have woken up every day this week in the middle of the night. They decided to turn our power off. Um, Yeah, so third world problems, woe is me, wah, 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 shut up, Kenny. Not third world problems. First First world world problems, sorry. Those are actually third world problems. So. So. Anyway, so we're back. Um, I'm excited to get back. I want to get back in my routine. Um, it's nice to be back in San Diego. I, I, it is nice to come back. Honestly, I haven't I even think really enjoyed it. Minus the fact of our girls being young and that being an added challenge for traveling, I think one of the things for me was that we can really be anywhere in the world and work. Uh, so you okay there, buddy? Yeah. Okay. So, we can really be anywhere in the world. I mean, when we went to Miami, when we say that we lived there for a month, what he means is that we not only rented a house, we did bring our nanny for as long as she would allow us. (laughs) And then uh, we rented an office space as well. So, we went to work every day just like we would at home, and we really lived there. And uh, I would hope that in the future when we travel, we don't have to travel like that. But um, always or forever, I don't mind it. I actually do like working. Um, But uh, when you go to a place to visit and you decide that you're going to work and live there, you realize uh, or I realize that we didn't get to see as much as if you're obviously on vacation because you basically have like evenings during the week, uh, which isn't really much at the end of a day of work. Or, and you have weekends. So when you're really working like full time, like you're living somewhere, you just don't get that much time to really explore. Um, but it was nice. I mean, it really taught us that we can kind of be anywhere in the world and still have our business. So, yeah. And I mean, let's just break down a couple of things here. So, uh, you know, a lot of people I think are kind of like, I would like to go live somewhere for a month, you know, and how does that look? Or maybe some tips. So, this is kind of how we did it um, a couple hacks and trips that tricks that we did. Number one is I think the cool thing about this whole WeWork model is it's 
probably globally now. So if you were to go, you know, anywhere in the U.S. in a big city or anywhere else, you might be able to go somewhere, live there, and then get a little office and rent it out. I think our office uh, costs us like you know, fifteen hundred bucks. The reason why um, the house we rented wasn't that big, and even if it was even bigger with an office, we wouldn't stay there. Um, the girls know we're there. We're not going to get anything done. They're going to come barging in They're the door. They're too young for that. So also Crystal and I like to go away, get our own office. Um, we get a little bit of time. So number one is if you are going to do that work, try to find somewhere where there's the, um, like where the office that we work is. The other thing too, I think that's important that we did is we actually shipped stuff there. That was a game changer too, yeah. especially if you're traveling with kids and you're going for that long. It really wasn't too expensive to ship it ahead of time but it just made it so much easier that you get in the airport and we had like one little carry-on with the stuff that you use on a daily basis that you had to pack that morning for the most part uh and then you can just get in the car and go and the luggage is already delivered and you went out a day ahead of time to get everything all situated yeah so i also what i did is i went out a day ahead of time i got the rental car um because the thing is depending on when you fly in like you can't maybe do this international but you know Miami, they're going to be flying in with the girls at nine o'clock at night. It's late. The worst thing you want to do is go get your rental car. There's a problem there. Go to the house. There's no food. So I got the rental car. The food got delivered. I put it all away. So when I was able to pick them up, I was able to bring dinner, snacks, whatever. So just being prepared so they don't land and we're your first night's a disaster mess. You don't sleep. You're stressed out. You have no food. So Crystal always is smart. She gets Amazon food delivered so you can just time it perfectly. Um, Shoot, even while they're there, wherever they're, she's getting Amazon stuff. They would swim every day, so the pool stuff. So I think some tips are is the other thing we did is we bring our computers. We also bring monitors. Yes, we're ridiculous. So we can, when we have our little office, it already has a desk and everything. We just bring the laptops up, the monitors, and work. So, so that way we have two monitors for each, which yeah. is much easier. So I think people said, oh, how was your vacation? I just said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. We were gone. But people, literally, my neighbor literally thought, Lila was like, oh, you didn't just take two months off? I said, well, unfortunately, I don't know what world that is, but I don't live in that world yet. And she goes, oh, you got an office? Who does that? Well, that's what we do. So we got the office. We worked. It was pretty, it was really good. Obviously, it's not the same as being here. Um, and then the other thing what we did there is obviously have a lot of, you know, friends, family that we got to enjoy play time, some fun time. Um, weather was really good. We got really lucky. But I think it was kind of cool to be. So when we left here. There was barely opening up restaurants. It was mask everywhere. So when we landed there. It went, we went from that environment for a while to, I mean, they've got night, everything was open there. It was like, there was, there are, they've been full throttle for a while. So it was nice to not have to wear a mask really anywhere. Um, and just kind of felt like there's some normal. It was mainly like the energy I think was just different because everything was open and people had that kind of like mindset. So it's just like, whenever you go out anywhere, it's not even so much the masks. It's, I, I don't like wearing them of course, but at the same time, it's more just the energy of the people that were like, yeah, things are open. We're going out to restaurants. We're doing things. We're happy. We're, you know, in the world, um, which was a, a nice, refreshing change from what California has been uh, dealing with. But, I mean, luckily at this point, we're open now. So we kind of got home at the perfect time where everything was pretty much opened up. 
Um, but yeah, it was a nice little escape. So a couple things. Um, if you do rent a vacation rental for 30 days, um, typically you can get a pretty good discount. I know, unfortunately, if you're trying to do that now, you'll still get a discount, but I booked mine in the middle of COVID. So the lady was probably hoping I canceled because I got less than 50% off what she's charging. So Crystal's like, more than 50%. Off. Yeah. So we got a really good deal. Um, but VRBO, Airbnb, if you book 30 days, there is some type of discount. I don't know what it is. And what I did is I went and I found three or four houses and Crystal knows I was hammering on them for a while and I got the best deal. So we got a really good bang for the buck. Um, cause when you're there for 30 days, you got to remember, you know, people are like, Oh, I'll just rent some for this much a night. But when you, you usually are timing it by a week, but when you times it by 30, you're like, Oh wow, that's a pretty big number. Uh, sort of like renting a car at that time. Cause we waited to rent the car. Um, so when I originally looked at a suburban, it was uh, $1,800 and we we're like, okay, good. I'll just wait. I just didn't pull the trigger. And that was through whatever Expedia or something. And of course, I think I was a month out and I went and I go, up. Oh, let me try this site, that site. And I'm like, okay, that $1,800 went to $4,200. And I was like, oh boy, Crystal's going to kill me. So then I went to Turo and looked around there and thank goodness we found the app. And so Crystal and I also used Turo there. So we rented one car and when we needed another car, we would just go on Turo and then we could drive down the street and somebody would have a Turo car and we used it for a day or two. So it worked out good. Um, so that was pretty convenient. So if you're traveling today, you definitely, you know, international, we went, make sure a couple tips you are reading. Do not listen to anybody. Make sure you understand if you need a mask, if you need to be vaccinated, if you need a negative test, make sure the negative test you have is actually the correct negative test. What kind of test? At home test or PCR test or rapid test. We learned that that one the hard way. The going double in hard way. Yeah. Um, don't listen to somebody that's like, no, I know this because I do this every day and I have the VRBO. And no, you don't because you're still wrong. And so make sure you do your own research. Um, also give yourself ample amount of time when traveling because uh, there was uh, delays. There was canceled flights. A lot of that going on right now if you're traveling. So everything's expensive. Everything's crazy. Inflation, inflation, go figure. So one of the things that we're going to talk about today is that I think um, going outside of your market and looking at another market, um, my, Miami, Florida is obviously, you know, we've got uh, Texas, we've got Florida, places like Arizona, Utah, that a lot of people are flocking to for taxes, red state. Um, did, I mention, friendly. did I mention taxes? Did I mention taxes? Yeah. And landlord friendly though. And business for... friendly, yeah. So Miami we went to, I plan on going there anyways. I wanted to spend a month, hang out with the family, check it out, see what life's like, um, see what it would look like if we went and bought properties there, which I'll let Crystal dive in numbers. But what we did is we took two separate trips. One trip was up to Tampa, which is probably about a three-hour drive from... So we drove everywhere from basically... We drove from across Miami, since it's on the opposite side of the state, the east side, and drove from basically Naples all the way up to the Tampa area. Um, so you pass through some, you know, Sarasota, Bradenton, some of those areas. Um, what I basically did is I looked up every single listing that was on the market, even if it wasn't a property that we wanted to consider. For me, it was, we drove big properties. We drove small properties. The biggest thing for me was figuring out the neighborhoods and then 
going, okay, well, I would really love to buy this property. What are the numbers like here? So I'd go ahead and run the analysis and um, just kind of like get to know the neighborhoods, talk to the broker. You really don't want to waste too much of the broker's time if you're not serious. Um, So I think that's one of the things. So we did that. And then I also, uh, we spent a couple days driving every listing we could find from basically not in Miami, but like right on the edge of Miami up to uh, Palm Beach. And so we drove. She went through Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, Boca Raton, and in Lena. A lot of other, all, yeah, all, all the, the other little places yeah. along the way. So Did you tell them how you find listings though? It wasn't just on LoopNet. She actually went to brokers websites. So Crystal put a lot of time and effort into finding. Yeah, it's a lot of time. I mean, this is one of the things. So I don't necessarily always, I've always preached that investing in your own backyard is the best thing to do. Uh, it's certainly the easiest. Uh, you know, you don't, you know your backyard better than any other place. Um, accessibility is so much easier. But so what I found is that in Florida, for example, there's really not very many listings on LoopNet. So good luck if you're looking there. And those are the deals, just like even in San Diego, that brokers have tried to sell directly in their firm and they couldn't. So then they throw them on LoopNet. That's kind of like the leftovers, really. Not to say that you can't find a good deal on LoopNet, but you know, you got to have other avenues. So I would go to the broker's sites directly, look at the listings that they have posted there. Also email the brokers and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in investing in this area. Please add me to your list. I'd love to be considered. Um, and calling some of them to build a relationship. So uh, we did, we drove all of the listings. Uh, same deal. I ran a lot of numbers, did a lot of different things. Um, I will say as much as I'm interested in the Florida market, what I'm finding, I mean, these are the kinds of things when you want to invest out of your backyard, A, if, if you want to do it passively or you're not willing to put in that effort, then you really ought to just go with a syndicator or somebody and, you know, invest passively because it's a lot of work, even for us. Like our first trip, we spent probably six days, let's say total, driving properties and looking at stuff and then a, a lot of other time just running the numbers and calling brokers and hours and hours of that. We still didn't make it to Orlando area, which I would love to go. Still didn't make it around to Tallahassee, which I would love to go. Um, and we didn't even Jacksonville meet. Jacksonville, too. We, we met one broker in person. Uh, other than that, we never met anybody else because my goal for that trip was just to get to go know different neighborhoods, find out what areas we were interested in first, and then make another trip to check out Orlando and meet a bunch of different brokers and start building that relationship. But the truth of the matter is I'd have to spend a lot more time in the specific markets of Florida, building relationships with brokers, driving all of the um, listings continuously and kind of figuring out what that's about. And for us, I think what we learned is, yes, we want to do that, but also it's difficult with two small children. I mean, I can give you an example, just Kenny will probably be like, great, but I would find a property. I'd we're in Miami in our office. I'd be like, Hey, Kenny, this is a really great property. I think I want to go drive it. Well, are you really going to drive an hour crystal to go see this property? Are you going to waste all your time? Uh, how about you just call the broker? How about you just negotiate the deal before you go see? And you know, you're like, no, I need to drive the property. So you're there maybe an hour or two away. Imagine being completely across the country that you've got to get on an airplane in order to go see this deal, meet this broker, negotiate it. So it's going to take a lot more time and effort than just a couple of trips. And so you have to be super realistic about that. The guys I know that are doing that out of state are spending, I mean, in their syndicators, several hours uh, and weeks 
and weeks of being away from their families if Not you know they have that. Hours. No, 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 several hours like all, all the time on the phone, um, daily, weekly, talking to brokers, still building the relationships, making appointments, scheduling times to be back there in that market, driving all of the listings, meeting with brokers, and they're going for like two week periods at a time and driving like you know, 90 properties in a week or two or something like that. So on top of meetings, on top of just trying to have, you know, coffee, lunches, happy hours with people to just start getting in the door to start building up that reputation and that relationship. So it's a lot of work and you have to kind of be super realistic with yourself about whether you're willing to do all that work yourself or if you want to kind of dip your toes into a new market by investing passively. Yeah, I mean, so... Lots and lots of work. So everybody's like, how was your vacation? We're like, we worked a lot. And but we, we like what we do. Yeah, we were literally in the car driving around. Um, it was really cool to like just drive properties and streets. I mean, my perspective, my perspective of it is that I think if you take a place like San Diego in there, the difference is you can probably find bigger properties easier. It doesn't mean it's easier to get them. Um, you could probably find properties that are newer and then you can but so bigger properties properties are a little bit newer built a little newer but when it comes down to it I was like to Crystal I was like okay is this a better deal or not and I think what we came to the conclusion is is that and Crystal will have her thing is is that it's probably better from the sense that it's a red state it's landlord friendly Tax friendly. Let's get a like little that. bit more specific. Hold For on. example, you, said you can go. I'm talking my thing. So, from my perspective, these, this state is more business friendly, tax friendly, landlord friendly. There's probably going to be more um, growth with income, minimum wage, because we've already, as California, we've already pushed up, but I think we're going to end up seeing a push. Everybody is. So, there's a push. So, at the end of the day, it's like, it wasn't that big of a difference to me to where it's like, okay, so one of us goes sacrifice a lot of time, energy, and effort to go fly out there and build a portfolio right now where it's that big of a difference where, wow, if we go invest millions of dollars, you're going to make that much more of an upside. I didn't see that. That was my overall perspective, and I'm not getting into the details because I don't need to. to I just wanted to know from a 30,000-foot view, is it that big of a difference? It really wasn't. And I'm, you know, we've been to Dallas too. I don't think in these big markets, it's that much different anywhere because I've been in these masterminds and everybody's looking at the same cap rate, same returns and that. And it goes back to, it's like, you know, being in your own backyard, like Crystal said, and really focusing on that, I think is just the best thing to do now. Am I able to speak now? Yes. Thank you. Uh, from a perspective of, landlord friendly taxes yada 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 very very high level overview but i would say that the some of the biggest benefits to being in a market like that is that it's a it's it's definitely a, a growing market a lot of people are moving there it's very business friendly it's easy to open businesses and live uh of course the tax situation is better uh a lower taxes certainly than california property So if you also, if you need to evict a tenant, um, 
the eviction on the long end is four weeks and that would be like extremely abnormal. So you're probably looking more like a three week turnaround time for an eviction, which is huge, especially in California where they keep kicking the can down the road and extending, you know, unemployment benefits and, you know, the eviction moratorium and all of this stuff that's really taking the control away from the landlord and giving it to the government, which nobody wants. I mean, we do financing all the time and a lot of the reason why, so many of our clients aren't doing agency financing like a Fannie or Freddie loan is because they don't want them telling them how to operate their properties. And by virtue of doing these, you know, property condition reports and, you know, doing all these reserves for the, these improvements that they think need to be done based on these reports, all that, they're like, this is my property. Of course, I know you want to protect your asset, but I, I need to be able to make the decisions for my property. You don't make those decisions. So, uh, you know, California is certainly becoming that way from a government perspective for landlords. It's gotten, it was already a tough space to be in, but it's gotten tougher uh, with COVID and uh, obviously the rent control that went in place kind of like right before all that happened. So, you know, a lot of us are thinking that things are going in the wrong direction. I absolutely still do. But the other thing that I know is that a lot of people are still making a very good return here in San Diego. And there is a I don't know what kind of price you can attach to the convenience of, you know, building relationships where you live, where it's just a short drive, a phone call, people who know you in your community, the reputation that you already have, all that is much easier. So uh, I do think that we will dive into different markets at some point. It's just more of when is it good for us in life to make that level of a commitment to go into a new market, build the relationships, buy the properties, do all of that because it's heavy on the front end and then just like anything else like I don't we go by our property our properties now like it's several months you know like we just drove our building in National City last week because we were in the area but um before that I can't remember the last time we went it was maybe six months so it's not a problem once you get the reputation and you don't you don't need to necessarily be close by but in the beginning there's a lot of visits and a lot of time required uh to get to that point so yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's that's kind of like the biggest thing for us that we learned being in a different market, especially a completely across the country. Like the best flight is a red eye. So, yeah, and I think the other thing is, but but what's cool is that um, we'll go probably you know this year we'll go up to northern Florida, like we said, look around, and I think we'll go. Okay, this is where we would really hone in, and that way we can laser focus because you can't be all over. We're not that big. It's not like we have a staff of five people going out there to do this. I mean. That's why people that are bigger, they have people boots on the grounds going around looking at these deals. But the other thing I will say with, you know, the negative, let's talk about the negatives of Florida. The negatives are um, the, when we look and we're like, we're sizing a deal is like Crystal goes, okay, the taxes are more. So, you know, if the tax basis here is around 1.12 or 1.25, I think Florida, you're at 2%. Yeah, it's about 80%, usually 75 or 80% of the value um, typically is what they're using, and they're hitting it with that 2-ish percent yeah. property so that, tax. So when Chris looked at that, she's like, okay, wow, that is a hit. And then the other thing is, is obviously, which you might guess, is insurance. Um, so it's all, you know, as I was listening to another, um, somebody else talk about it, a uh, syndicator, he says, you know, it's all, even insurance is expensive now, but you have to be, you have to put in your performa that if a hurricane does come through the state of Florida and you're near it or it touches your property in some way, your insurance could double or trip, you know, double 
um, from where it's at until, you know, just because a hurricane came through. So a lot of these guys, they buy properties and their insurance is expensive. A hurricane came through. Let's say you have minimal damage. You're, they're still going to whack the whole state with higher insurance, as we know. So there is that too. So I think there's another thing too. There's the, the 40 year recertification that's required in um, a lot of parts of Florida, not all of them. Um, like for example, we learned that in Palm beach, they don't do that. Uh, but Miami, they certainly do in other areas. So even though it's once every 40 years, let's say you're buying a building, it's not brand new. You're coming up on your 40 year recertification that's definitely a cost. They could make you do a bunch of work to the property in order to keep it in compliance. So that's another kind of like um, different thing that's kind of special <laughs> from for what we're used to as far as another additional expense. I will say I think that like we talked about is that minimum wage in Florida is like $8.56 or something like that. It's going to 11 in September and then it's going to keep going up every year until it hits 15 uh, so their minimum wage is a lot lower than here. Therefore, I think that that's a good thing for rent upside over the next five years um, for that market, which is another reason I think just because you're, you're going to look at your deal today and it doesn't look that much better than a deal in our backyard, for example, in San Diego. However, if you were to compare the deals five years out, I think that there is more upside in Florida for sure. Yeah, so that's why Crystal and I realized we're like, okay, um, definitely we like that market. Like you said, there's a lot of money, jobs, all that. But I think if you could, um, if you do go there, which I think it would be something we would definitely do, is over the next five years plus with you know, the wages up and stuff, I think there's going to be a lot of growth with um, rents. And like she said, I think long-term you can do like a five, seven-year hold. You can do really, really well in Florida. And you can be strategic about where you're investing. Like, for example, Miami seems to be pretty notorious for getting hit by like every hurricane that comes through. Not really. but Not yeah. really, but they get hit a lot more than other parts of Florida, let's say. And, and Southern Florida in general, I would say, is at bigger risk than – northern florida even though tampa just got hit with the most recent hurricane but there are certain areas that are less prone and those would maybe be the areas that you would focus on if that's something that you're kind of concerned about that you know and that's what we're seeing a lot of the syndicators are doing is focusing in some of these areas that are less prone to hurricanes so you don't have as much risk to deal with on that side especially when you're kind of new uh, going into a new area, I think you'd be better off to play it safe and buy in one of those markets that are less prone uh, versus like you're going to go straight into Miami. You have no idea what happens. A lot of the buildings are older. Hurricanes come like pretty frequently. It's not like irregular to get hit by a hurricane on any given year. So I think those are the things where you're like, okay, then I'm going to focus on some of these areas that are less prone to hurricanes and all that data is available. Like we, I did some research on Palm Beach, for example, because I like the area a lot. Um, and they hadn't been hit by a hurricane in, you know, a while. Like, they seem to kind of get lucky. There's no reason why they haven't been hit that hard. But they just, for whatever reason, it, it hasn't happened. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe you'd consider Palm Beach, even though there's no rhyme or reason but uh, why they're not getting hit. Um, but they just haven't. So historically speaking, I, you have a lower probability. Uh, I think that's why a lot of people do like northern Florida as well because they're less prone to being hit uh, than the southern part of Florida. Yeah, the other thing we realized about Northern Florida is, um, as we reminded, or this broker reminded us, which, you know, people don't think about, but um, a lot of Miami was older. And as you got went up to state, Tampa and that, they said a lot of the buildings were built um, more in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. So there is bigger product. I mean, Crystal and I were driving through, like, 
you know, like a building, a big building here, right? It has the gate and it has 300 units. It's got the tennis courts. It's got the pool. It's got the, you know, the workout gym and all that. It's like, wow, this is great. I mean, if you drive to property like that here in San Diego, um, the price per door is definitely a lot higher than there. So but the rent's also like higher. Crystal said, the rents are lower, but a building like that, you know, over five, seven years with you, there's a, you, you can make a lot of money, but the entry level is definitely easier. Um, and I think there's a lot of upsides in those big deals. And we drove like one, where we were like, wow, this is great. And you could just tell it was not even being managed right. It was like actually a pretty nice property, but it just looked kind of like the landscaping, like they just like forgot to landscape for a while. So you could just see it. But I like that where the properties were newer and you could go buy a big building like that. Maybe it's, you know, 250 a door, but here it's like, you know, they want it 350, 400 a door. And you're like, that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow on 200 units. Yeah. I mean, I would say that the kind of median price, range is like 150 to 160 a door kind of like getting in and then a nicer newer product would be closer to like 200 a door which is more like entry level here um so that's definitely a much easier price point to get something bigger um you're probably doing a lot more agency debt being far away and you know out-of-state investor plus the loan sizes and the programs available but usually you can finance a little higher ltv than we're used to seeing here so you know there's definitely some benefits i actually think there's a lot of benefits and that florida makes a lot of sense to invest it's just um when can you start to invest that kind of time and commitment to you know, get into that market. But I, there's definitely a lot of upside to be had in Florida. And I see why a lot of people are going there. But the competition is also much stiffer. I mean, you think California is bad. I mean, anybody who doesn't live in California pretty much says, you know, they're terrified to come and invest here or they think it's a bad idea. So we have the benefit of that, at least that we're not competing, uh, you know, nationally with buyers here nearly to the extent that you are in areas like Texas, Arizona, Florida, Idaho, Utah, like all these places have this kind of national draw for the landlord friendly and the business friendly and lower taxes. All the things we've been talking about make that much more attractive to out-of-state investors. And California is missing a lot of those aspects, which kind of keeps us shielded from the level of competition that you're going to see in other parts of the, the U.S. Yeah, I mean, Crystal and I have interviewed a lot of syndicators. We know a lot of them. I'm a part of a mastermind not like the syndicators and the mastermind besides one that build, they're all at, they don't want to be in California. So I will say Crystal does say it like there's not a, like people aren't flocking here to buy. It's more like people here flocking elsewhere to buy. And I think the, you know, for us, just for us personally, but I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I want to go invest out of state. And it sounds great. It sounds sexy. It sounds fun. It sounds like the returns are better. But um, I think for us, we realize, okay, it is going to be for what we want to do. Um, we're not just trying to go buy one single home. For what we want to do, it's going to be a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort. And so you have to figure out when are you willing to do that and make that sacrifice. And like Crystal said, is in the beginning, if we, you know, we go and we raise money and we buy deals, which ultimately will be what we'll do. Um, and we're going to go buy, you know, two, three deals quickly there. I would imagine if Crystal's heading it up, she's going to be spending a lot of time there, a lot. And so you have to be willing to go, okay, how does that 
factor in your life. Like if she works, I work and we do all this, how are you going to do that? So the next game plan or challenge in our life is okay. We are going to do this. It's not a matter of if it's when, so how does that work? And so I think, you know, most of the people that are doing this type of stuff, they might have a wife at home and it's no problem. You go leave. That's what a lot of these indicators are like to go, or it's like, this is a full-time job. And so that's not going to be our case. So we just have to figure out how to map that out and know that it's going to be a lot of work up front, but we know how the back end works where you get the benefit of it later. Right. Yep. So let's transition a little though into the, um, just quickly, I want to go through the mastermind because I think it's oh, okay. after the second event, it's the second event that you've done, you got to kind of like hang out with the guys a lot more. And I think I've definitely seen a huge benefit to you being part of a mastermind. I think yep. a lot of people think it's crazy or it's yep. not needed and it's too expensive and blah, 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 blah. Um, kind of go through what you, where you see the benefits been so far after your second event. I mean, look, you, you can even, Monty's not even a part of the mastermind, but she can tell you, I mean, we're, look, we're so Full transparency, like my business right now, I do residential financing. And so we go into breakout rooms. I'm going to be just straight up with everybody here, right? Like I'm in a big breakout room and I'm in a table and the table consists of a lot of entrepreneurs. Some of them you might have known, some not. Um, and they're anywhere from a real estate investor to uh, could be the number one network marketer in the world for a female. Could be I've got a, I have a, one of the, I'm the number one email marker of the world, or I have this crazy social media company, um, like, you know, like whatever, all um, kinds of things. Yeah. Marketing or I'm an e-commerce person. Um, it's just all these people, right? So you get thrown in a room and you go, what is the number one problem in your business? So I go in there and I go, what is it that I really want to learn from these? So when I walk in a room, a lot of these people are really, really great at business, but they're also really, really great at marketing. And I know that they've spent a lot of time, money, energy, effort. So I go in the room and I just say, I am building a consumer direct model for my business. What that means, if you guys don't know, is that basically I believe that I've been doing loans for 17 years and I've perfected as much as I can and it's a daily perfection, but perfecting a system and the lenders, the rates, and the, everything, the system. So when somebody comes in and wants to get a loan, well, I'll give you an example. I started this, and we've closed, I don't know, a handful of refis because um, we've just tested at the beginning of this year. I think the last two or three we closed was the six-day clear to close. And I just was telling somebody, they're like, whoa, whoa what did you say? I said six business days we were clear to close on a refinance. How's that possible? I said, that's what I'm marketing. So I'm trying to drive traffic to a funnel. So we don't really know how to do that. So I sit in a room and go, I tell them that. And they go, hmm, let's see. I don't know anything about mortgage, but how can I help? Oh, I've got this marketing guy. I've got this guy, that guy. So I'm sitting in a room and I just tell them exactly. I really narrow it down say, this is what I'm looking for. So I start getting, hey, you should, what about this marketing guy? What about this? What about that? So I'm getting introduced to people that could take me three, four years to get in front not, of. Not to mention that, but like, for example, one of the most recent calls that you had was, since you're involved with, you know, one of the main people, this mastermind, they're going to take good care of you or they're going to help you out or make room for you when they're very busy because of the relationship that you have and the kind so of So basically what Crystal's saying is, is that somebody says, um, send me an email and then they email back a person and say, hey, 
this is so-and-so. Kenny's looking to do this. And then I said, well, if so-and-so refer me to you, it's like, it's, it's like I'm, I'm not saying I'm getting treated different, but I'm getting treated different. And the thing about masterminds, without, if people aren't involved, especially one like this, is this is, I will tell you exactly the best way to think about it, is you throw a 100 people in a room that are just badass people, badass entrepreneurs, just all walks of life. But what they're doing is a lot of these people have limited time in their life. They're very, very busy. Like Crystal knows that. So they're stopping for three days or four days of their life and they're giving all the time to this event, right? So literally we go from like 7 a.m. till 2 at night, just, you know, breakfast. 2 a.m. The breakfast, lunch, dinner, all this. Then we go out and hang out. So they're just giving it all. So every so some people that are in there, they'll charge, you know, just to go sit down and meet with them, they're charging, you know, $10,000, $20,000. So everybody's just giving everything away and just giving it to you as much as possible. Yeah. So that's what you're giving. It's a very giving group. So when you get referred to somebody that might be using this for marketing, they know that marketing person is going to give you everything too. So that's what I'm kind of, that's what Chris is getting at is like, you're just getting not only a referral, but that person's going to give to you. It's not about them trying to make money off you. It's like, I need to help you out because so-and-so gave me to you. Yeah. So I kind of just wanted to recap on that because I don't think people realize the value of masterminds uh, to an extent. I think it's funny because some people I've talked to are like, oh, these things are a scam or they're just like making money be. hand over fist. And yeah, I think like you said, just like anything though, like you can, you know, people buy stuff on Amazon and they realize it's like crap, you know, like you can go to, you know, all kinds of things. So that happens everywhere you go, but you have to do the research. Obviously referrals are the best thing, you know, but still do the research and find the right place for you where you think you're going to grow. Cause I don't think every mastermind is like that. Just as with anything, it's not a one size fits all. So, uh, but they can be super valuable if you're looking to grow your business and just being around like-minded people in the same room, focused, all focused on helping each other grow and be the best they can be is priceless. So I've definitely seen the change in your business and the way it's been growing. And I think, uh, you know, we talk about a lot about investing in real estate, but this was definitely an investment in yourself and in your business. And I think uh, I can already see that it's paying dividends. Yeah. And look, the other thing is, is uh, this is a, a, a real estate. So not everybody's in real estate, but people like, you know, they want to invest. Some people make a lot of money and they're like sitting on cash. Like, I don't know about real estate, but I figured Miles go to mastermind where I've got top home flippers. I've got people that's raised funds. I got syndicators. I got flippers. I got wholesalers. I've got, you know, the whole thing. So that's, you throw a bunch of people in the room. So it's that person that's good at marketing is, doesn't want to learn that, you know, they want to learn real estate. So that's, um, that's what we got now to wrap up for this week. Yep. So next week though, I'm going to give you a little topic. So next week I am going to bring some topics of I want to talk about some current stuff in the news, stuff like inflation, stuff like the feds, stuff like what we think rates are going to do, housing, and we're going to talk about all that fun stuff that everybody sees, like why is my used car so expensive and why is gas and milk and yeah. all that. Well, and these epi episodes don't come out always in order, so it might not be the next week. It might be the week after. Well, Could it be. will be talked about on some week on this podcast <laughs> but anyways guys hey thanks for listening we really appreciate it um it's awesome if you would give us a five-star review you should definitely um also give us subscribe you should like us and also if you like this you should share it with other people that's how we grow we appreciate you love you and we're out
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.